Let's pick up in uh, John 14, 13, 14. We've been mentioning this couple of verses, I guess, for maybe a couple of months. John 14, 13, and I will do whatever you ask. And the Greek word there is aiteo, means to demand. Not like demand like somebody works for you, but to make a demand on your, your rights, your covenant rights. And I will do whatever you ask or demand in my name so that the son, all right, I see new people, so I have to explain. At the gate called Beautiful, Peter and John are going to the temple at the time of prayer, and they see a man crippled from birth. And Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's what this is. You know, we're not telling God to do something. We're not making a demand on God, but we are exercising our rights under the covenant. Now, <laughs> A lot of this is intended for ministry. And uh, I'm going to, in the end of my notes, which will probably be next week, um, people want to cruise along and do nothing. And then when they get in trouble, they want somebody to lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith over them. And we've been talking about how there's a difference between what God expects out of a believer versus what God expects out of an unbeliever. Basically, what would you expect from an unbeliever? Nothing. And uh, so he says, and I will do whatever you ask or demand in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. You may ask or demand me for anything in my name and I will do it. And we've been dealing with not giving the devil a place. Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. And we don't really want to deal with this, but if the devil's holding high carnival in your family, in your children, in your marriage, in your body, you let him in. You let him in. That's what happens. People let the devil in and they, they don't even know they're doing it a lot of times. And he'll come in any way he can. And we've been dealing with why Jesus had to heal people. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit empowered, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Say it out loud, healing all, healing all who, were under who were under the power of the devil. Power. Now, you can get sick without the devil's help or attack. You can catch a cold from a family member. You can get a job around dangerous materials. I had an aunt, God bless her, my favorite aunt, she got a job in a battery factory. You can get around dangerous materials. Uh, there are many ways people can get sick without an attack from Satan, but that does not negate the fact that according to Acts 10.38, it is possible for people to become sick or diseased because of an attack of Satan. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went, went about doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil. So we're not saying that everybody that's got a cold or the flu or has some sickness or disease is under some satanic attack. These things can, you know, we live in the earth and the earth is under a curse and Satan is the God of this world. We know this from the writings of the Apostle Paul. And so it doesn't mean somebody is under a satanic attack. But Acts 10.38 lets us know 
that one of the reasons people can be sick or diseased is a satanic attack. We've also been talking about how if there's any stealing or killing or destroying going on, it's not God. It's really sad to me that we even have to teach this. But I'm telling you, people, people have gone to church and been misled. John 10, 10, Jesus said, For the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life, and that they might have that life more abundantly. We stand up and teach the abundant life, the abundant lifestyle, and people get upset about it. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. You know, they'll, they'll fill out a 100-page form to get their PPP money, but they come to church and find out, you know, you need to believe something, confess something, take care of yourself, take vitamin D or whatever, and they get upset. Listen, we drove through Starbucks yesterday. We, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I drove through Starbucks. And so we got three drinks. It was $18. <laughs> and, you know, clueless Jean, I said to my wife, I, I, the last time I went through Starbucks and got three drinks, it was 8 or $9. She said, you need to get out more. <laughs> $18. So don't be complaining to me that we're teaching prosperity. $18. I'm so old. Say, how old are you, Pastor? We used to be able to pay our water bill for $18. Those days are gone forever. Now, if the devil has somehow gained a foothold and you do not find a biblical way to drive him out, he will stay. It's just that simple. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Greek, actually, the Greek word there is, he will flee from you as if in terror. He's not afraid of us, but he's afraid of that name. Colossians 2.15 says that Jesus made an open show and spectacle of him on Calvary's cross. Luke 10.19, Jesus said, I have given you authority. Uh, that's why sometimes, I mean, I love the King James Bible, but sometimes you just have to go to a more modern translation because if I remember correctly, in, in Luke 10, 19, both words are translated power, but they're not the same word. I have given you authority, exousia, which means right, privilege, authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power. That's a different word, dunamis. Power, might, strength, force. I mean, there's no point in getting in a physical wrestling match with a devil. There, you know, the Pope, where's he been? Didn't he read the Bible his whole lifetime? Said that we're no mental match for the devil. Of course not. We're not trying to match the devil on strength or IQ. If you try that, you'll be defeated every time. We approach him on a spiritual basis, on the basis of the finished work of Christ. We approach him in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? To trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. But see, we don't really believe that. When we pioneered this church, you know, I would tell stories from being a missionary in Kenya. And then, you know, we were doing evangelism from the very beginning we pioneered 
churches two and three in Zimbabwe in 1985. And I would tell stories of miracles overseas and people would come to me and say, why don't we see miracles like that here? I said, well, we have alternatives. You go preach somewhere in Africa, uh, they don't have alternatives. In other words, when, when they hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's their only hope. And they latch on and they believe. Now, we've been dealing with kind of a how-to. And so we got this Sunday, and because this is not software I can blow up for a 67-year-old to read, I got to put my glasses on. Lastly, we wanted to share a healing testimony. We have taken our kids to the dentist every six months since they were two years old, but last year our daughter's front teeth were coming in and we noticed that they were discolored. Our dentist told us that she had enamel hypoplasia, a condition where the enamel didn't form completely on her teeth, causing them to stain and chip very easily. He told us that this was a serious condition and since enamel only grows as the tooth is formed, this was irreversible. He said that, he said that now we could only take measures to protect the fragile teeth and improve their appearance. The news of this condition was a surprise last year, but we had already been able to see that her teeth were badly discolored and the dental cleaning made little difference. Six months later, we went in for the next cleaning. Her teeth had grown in even more, and we could now fully see the enamel hypoplasia on her front teeth. It wasn't one of the worst cases, but still obvious, and the dentist told us that when she was around eight years old, we could discuss veneers for her since the front eight teeth should all be grown in by then, and her smile with veneers would be uniform. I hated the idea of whittling down her teeth for veneers, not to mention her having to worry about them her whole life. Shortly after that, I was rehearsing the story to a friend at church, but she didn't just listen and agree with me in sympathy. Instead, she encouraged me to pray about it and keep confessing the word over the situation, despite what the dentist told us. She reminded me that God can do the impossible. She encouraged me, and faith rose up on the inside of me because of it. So I prayed about it and made it a point to start thanking God that both kids have strong white enamel covering every surface of every tooth every single time I even thought about their teeth. Most days, it was multiple times a day. Seeing my daughter's smile, it was hard not to notice and be reminded of it. I kept, I kept confessing it and kept telling her to smile to see if I could notice a difference over those six months, but there was no change. Now, months are going by. Well, how long do I have to keep confessing this? Well, until you get it. You keep making your mortgage payment every month. You keep going to work every day. Right? Why can't you say what God says? Twice last Wednesday by the Holy Spirit, I said, if you count it done, it will be done. This past September was the next six-month appointment. 
So if I've got my months right, this is 18 months. And I scheduled a one-on-one with the dentist following their cleaning to discuss treatment options for my daughter. By then, kids had started commenting and telling her that her teeth were brown, kids. And she had been doing a closed mouth smile more times than not for pictures. After the appointment, the dentist came to talk to me before the kids came out from the back. He told me all the basics, no cavities, teeth are healthy, x-rays look good for the new teeth coming in, etc. I asked him about the enamel hypoplasia on my daughter's teeth. And he said that there were a few molars that he's watching, but everything looks good. I stopped him and told him that I meant the front teeth. He looked at me puzzled. He shook his head and told me they're normal. I was a little frustrated, especially noticing that he hadn't even, he didn't even have our daughter's chart with him. Annoyed, I told him, they're really discolored and kids are making fun of her. And I want to see if there's more that we can do to improve her appearance. He shook his head again and said, your daughter's teeth are normal. At that very moment, the kids came around the corner smiling at me with their goodie bags and my jaw almost hit the floor. After the cleaning, this time her teeth were completely white and the dentist could not find a trace of the hypoplasia. We were talking about veneers for my seven-year-old just six months prior. I am still blown away. Praise God, you taught us to keep confessing the word of God over her and keep thanking him for the healing and the miracle until it came to pass. He is Jehovah Rapha. Don't let your eyes deceive you. God is working behind the scenes. And thank you, pastors, for creating an environment of faith where like-minded friends encourage each other and are unashamed of the miraculous God we serve. See, now... That's not a healing. That's a miracle. You know, if you cut your hand, does it heal like in a minute or does it take several days? Take several days. And then also, a healing is not replacement parts. If you get replacement parts, that's a miracle. Amen. So this has always been a faith bubble. But in the last few years, we've noticed and we're grateful it's a, it's a normal bubble. But by teaching and preaching the word of God, all things become possible. There is nothing impossible. There are people here sitting tonight, sitting here tonight, and you have given up on something. And I want to encourage you to not give up. All things are possible with God. And all things are possible to him that believeth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So how long did he confess it? Well, until it manifested. Now, these folks are tithers and seed faith givers, and Jesus said that when you operate in seed faith, there is no limit to how high you can go. Jesus said, Matthew 17, 20, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. If you have faith as a seed, I learned this from Oral Roberts, if you have faith as a seed, you can say. If you have faith as a seed, you can say. 
If you have faith as a seed, you can say. In the New Testament, Jesus had a lot to say about seeds. If you have faith as a seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And that's where Jesus said, nothing will be impossible for you. You know, the world has a saying, hell to pay. Let me tell you what. <laughs> you preachers in your jammies, uh, you know, maybe watching Faith Christian Center because you ain't working tonight. There's going to be hell to pay. And the reason is, you cannot exercise faith on something you do not have knowledge of. Your faith cannot go any further than your knowledge of the word of God. And so when you go to a church and they entertain you and they don't teach you the word of God, faith doesn't come. Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, not opinions, not jokes, not theories, ideas. Faith cometh by hearing the word. And so in Austin went to a minister's conference and if I mentioned the name, everybody would know who this is. And it wasn't the famous guy, but a guy who works for the famous guy said, uh, don't use scripture references in your sermons and one half of one verse will do. Well, they're robbing God's people. Amen. Somebody might say, yeah, but they've done surveys and, and they went down to the mall and talked to sinners and, you know, sinners don't like to hear the scripture and they don't like their scripture references. Look, I don't care. If somebody comes in here, even last Sunday on communion, Christmas communion, we got somebody saved We'll, we'll win him. But at, at the end of his life, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And three times they went through this. So our, yes, we win the lost every chance we get. But when we hold church, our job is to feed God's lambs. Amen. Can you see that? And by doing that, then we create this faith environment. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when, when, they, when they took the scriptures out of their sermons, they, they robbed God's people. And, and I'm not going to be judged for it. Somebody might say, well, I don't like the Bible and I'm out of here right now. Well, I live 67 years without you, so I guess I can continue on to the rapture without you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And I notice we just, we just get all of our needs met, you know, and money's, you know, not a problem. And I just don't see it being an issue. See, because I'm not serving man, I'm serving God. Amen. And just like you have a boss, I got a boss. And just like you report to somebody, I report to somebody. And just like you get evaluated on your job, I get evaluated, but that's coming up. And, and I don't want to booger that up. That's one review I don't want to mess up. Amen. The judgment seat of Christ. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to stand there and him say, you know, you, you proved you didn't love me because you didn't feed my lambs. And these are horrible truths. And Austin's got a scar on his hand tonight because we didn't know this. 
and we took him to an idiot doctor and you know the procedure he used to get the warts off his hand he's still got a scar uh, are all doctors idiots no are all preachers idiots no are all politicians idiots yes <laughs> But the point is, just because somebody's a preacher or just because somebody's a doctor, you're a fool if you trust them because of the REV or the MD or whatever. Uh, just that doesn't mean anything. You've got to find people that have common sense and know what they're talking about. If you don't know something, you can't take action on it. That was, that's what's so nefarious about 2020, 2021, 2022, that they hid information from people. To this day, this is what? December 28, 2022? To this day, the National Institutes of Health, the CDC, nobody in the federal government, to this day, nobody has come out with an early treatment protocol for COVID. This is criminal. This is criminal. This is criminal. You know, I learned from my son-in-law, cold symptoms start coming, you take zinc. I didn't know that. See, if you don't know something, you can't take action on it. Every policeman apparently in the whole world knows, knows about this, but I didn't. And so, you know, we keep zinc around. Any little symptom whatsoever, take zinc. It's amazing. But if you don't know, see, in other words, that's early treatment. I don't know about you, but I'd like to avoid all of it. I'd like to avoid the runny nose. I'd like to avoid all of it. So early treatment. They have still two and a half years, two and a half years, and, and we're paying 37% for these morons to hide information from us that could save lives save lives anybody with any brains at all knows you get the, the oil light comes on in your truck do you wait till the doggone thing grinds to a halt or do you, pre, you do you perform early treatment right so it I mean the the tire light indicator comes on you know your tires are low you just keep driving until you you go flat this is the lunacy that we are confronted with on every hand. And I'm here to tell you tonight that there's a whole lot of early prevention wisdom in the book called the Bible. And it'll keep you out of trouble in your marriage and it'll keep you out of trouble with your children and it'll keep you out of trouble when you're with health issues. I, I don't, I'm not a believer in letting things get off the chain before I deal with them. I like to deal with things quick and early. Amen. And not let trouble fester. You know, you might say, man, you're worked up. I hate liars. I hate them. And that's, that's what they've done and they've killed people. I guess I'm old-fashioned, you know? I'm not in favor of killing people. Those five states with Democrat governors, they sent COVID patients to nursing homes. Look, no one, no one 
No one would, anybody, how many of you have ever been in a nursing home? Let me see your hand. You've ever been in a nursing, would you send sick people there? No. No. Why would they do that? You know why they did that? To lessen their state budgets on Medicare, Medicaid, and disability. Because if somebody's dead, guess what? They're not on the budget. It's unbelievable. And now we found out this week it wasn't just this administration that suppressed information. The last one did too. So... You can, pick, you can trust these people as far as you could pick them up and throw them. I don't know how I got off track. Let's get back to the Bible. So what did Jesus say? He said in Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith will it be done unto you. That's where I got off track. According to your faith will it be done, done unto you. But if you don't know, how can you have faith? You can't believe God any further than your knowledge of the Word of God. And <laughs> it wasn't really the politicians who invented information suppression. You know who invented information suppression? Preachers. If you keep people ignorant, you keep them dependent. According to your faith, will it be done unto you? <clears throat> so we ought to be taking measures to grow our faith. He said in Matthew 17, 20, nothing will be impossible for you. He said in Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are possible. Let me ask you this. If, if with God, all things are possible, what is it? If, if with God, all things are possible, what exactly is impossible? Nothing. He said in Mark 9, 23, everything is possible for him who believes. How many, of you, how many believers do I have here tonight? Let me see your hand if you're a believer. Say it out loud. All things are possible, things are possible. for him who believes. Him who believes. And, I'm and I'm a believer. So that means, that means all, things all things are possible for me. For me. All things are possible. He said in Mark 10, 27, all things are possible with God. He said in Luke 1, 37, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I've never even heard of that. I'm 67 years old. God putting enamel on teeth. But he did. Or either that or he replaced the teeth. I don't know. But whatever he did, it got done. Amen. He said in Luke 18, 27, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Say it out loud. Jesus said... It's going to be, according to my faith, so I may as well believe God for the best. Yeah, that's what we started out doing. I mean, it, it took us a while to get there, but that's what, we just believe God for the best. We had, a, we had an, an immigrant visitor back, back at the hotel, invited us over to lunch to dress me down, tell me I didn't read the Bible very well. And he noticed that, he noticed that, you know, I, I, I surrounded myself with, you know, nice stuff. And, and so, you know, I just, I just gave him a little sermon, but I thought, man, you know, I'm sure I've seen the end of you, and, I, and we had. But uh, if nothing is impossible, why should I believe for mediocre stuff? 
And, and, and two, we're, we're not talking about the, the God of the Hittites and the God of the Amalekites and, you know, uh, these modern gods we don't want to mention because we don't want to get our channel pulled down. Uh, we serve the, the Ancient of Days, Amen. Jehovah Jireh, Amen. El Shaddai, Amen. the God of more than enough. Yes. You know, once Kenneth Hagin was criticized, he went to a minister's conference, he was driving a Cadillac, and that's a long story. And one of the ministers criticized him. Now, brother, do you really think we ought to be driving a car like that? You know, we in the ministry. And Kenneth Hagin, I'm talking about the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, said, now look, brother. I'm not going to fall out with you if you have Chevrolet faith. But don't you be falling out with me because I got Cadillac faith. Amen. And see, we, we ought to be spurring each other on and cheering each other on and when somebody like somebody has a child heal, healed man we ought to be saying praise the Lord and we ought to be praying for one another <clears throat> we ought to be encouraging one another we ought to be cheering each other on not trying to heap coals of condemnation on somebody because they're getting ahead Now, we, we've covered this, but we want to lay new ground and head in a new direction. Every believer was healed 2,000 years ago. The work's done. So the believer's job is to walk in that new covenant <coughs> and exercise his or her authority over Satan. The work's done. So somebody walked the aisle Sunday. Jesus didn't have to go and die on the cross. See, the work's done. In fact, how are you saved? How are you born again? Well, we dealt with faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. What is the process of faith? Paul said, we must believe that God raised him from the dead and we must what? Confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. So what's the process? You hear the good report. You believe the good report. You confess the good report. You take action on the good report. So, it was Christmas communion, but that was enough to get somebody saved. They walked the aisle, what they heard the word, faith sprung up in their heart, they believed, they, because you wouldn't, take, you wouldn't take the action of coming down the aisle unless you believed. And then we led them in prayer, they confessed, they took action, because the work's done. You don't send Jesus back to the cross, the work's done. So this is exactly how healing works. We hear the good report. We believe the good report. We confess the good report. We take action on the good report. And the results come. James 4, 7, Submit yourselves therefore then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will flee from you as if in terror. Luke 10, 19, I gave you. <coughs> I have given you authority, exousia, right, privilege to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power, power, dunamis, power, might, strength, force of the enemy, nothing will harm you. So he's given us authority. He, didn't give a, he did not give us greater power than Satan's power. He gave us authority. So nothing will harm you if you are exercising your covenant rights in Christ. And I think a lot of people don't believe that. But nothing will harm you. If you're exercising your covenant rights in Christ. And I realize I'm out there. I do. 
But my thinking is this. If I stand on God's word and I exercise my covenant rights, the absolute worst thing that can happen to me is I'll be in the city of God. So I'm not afraid. Can you see that? And the devil is a master of deception and his whole agenda is to deceive us and part of this is fear. Haven't we seen in the last two and a half years what you can do when you make people afraid? Haven't we seen the last two and a half years how you can manipulate people if you can make them afraid? So nothing will harm you if you are exercising your covenant rights in Christ. He has given us power of attorney to act in his name. Mark 16, 17, and 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. How many believers do we have here tonight? And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick. And those sick shall recover. Now again, this is geared toward ministry. It's not intended for us to not believe God, not exercise our covenant rights, not rebuke the devil and wait for some bad stuff to happen and then lay hands on each other. This is intended for ministry, but it can, it can be employed with believers. But even when it, we're going get, to get there probably next Wednesday, but even when it's employed with believers, the, because somebody's a believer and not an unbeliever, God expects them to follow instructions, Mark eleven twenty. 2 to 24, and believe they receive. I've already given you John 14, 13, 14, and I will do whatever you ask or demand in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask or demand me for anything in my name and I will do it. So the unbeliever has no such covenant and no such rights to walk in. It's really sad to me. You know, I don't get out much, but sometimes I get around family of extend, family of family, and it's just sad to me how little faith they have. I went in for my interview with Dr. Jimmy Nelson at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he had me take Sue with me, bring Sue with me, and he asked me, you know, about dreams and visions and things such as that. That was the interview to get into the doctoral of ministry program at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And, you know, I think back on that sometimes and I think, what a journey. What a journey. There's nothing like it. Believing God, doing impossible things. Doing, impo doing impossible things to where it becomes normal to do impossible things. You know, a man's here tonight, and by the way, write that down and give that to Austin. Uh, you know, working man. God made him a millionaire last week. He, he wasted time networking and, you know, uh, trying to make people happy, men happy. Men, men will fail you. Men will let you down. Men, men will use you and cast you aside. 
came to Faith Christian Center, heard the word, started taking action on the word, started sowing seed according to biblical instructions, started believing God, didn't do any networking, and, and, and God blessed him and made him a millionaire. Now, if that offends you, too bad. Because I'm telling you what, you, you, you may need a million. Before this is over, the way they're printing money, $100 billion to Ukraine, you may need a million dollars to fill your truck up. You think I'm kidding? I've, been in, I've preached in countries where they took the currency and, and stamped an extra three zeros at the end uh, because there was such inflation. And we obviously do not have geniuses in charge. You got to have a million dollars just to go through Starbucks. <laughs> now you as an individual believer must walk by faith. You cannot walk by signs and wonders that simply will not work. Colossians 2.15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I love Galatians 3.13 and 14. Christ redeemed us, past tense from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that, oh, I wish to God ministers would read the Bible. He redeemed us. Why? 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 Why did he redeem us? In order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. It's the, whole, it's the whole package, man. It's the whole package. You get the blessing of Abraham and the Holy Spirit. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham did not live one day of his life as a spiritual being. Abraham did not live one day of his life born again. Abraham did not live one day of his life with the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of him. Everything he did, he did in the natural, believing God. And Christ redeemed us in order that. Shout it out loud. In order that. In order that. Shout it again. In order that. In order that. But you know, you, you pull any promise out of Psalms, people say, oh, Brother Gene, that's for the Jews. I wish they'd read their Bibles. Christ redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Which means... I'm authorized to go back into that old covenant and pluck and pick and choose any promise and believe God for it. Don't be telling me something's only for the Jewish people. God bless them. God bless Jewish people. Amen. But, uh, you know, we, we, we have received the Spirit of Christ on the inside of us. A lot of us here tonight have also been baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. And we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. And Christ has redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. How? Automatically? Is that what he says? What's the language of Paul in Galatians 3, 13 and 14? No, by faith. It's not just going to happen. It's not just going to happen. You know, it's, it's, it's horrifying to me. It, it's a heartbreak. Nothing I can do about it. We get around people that we knew 30 years ago. And they don't have anything. How can that be? 
People in the ministry, people that have never committed adultery, people that have served Jesus 30 years and they don't have anything. How can that be? It's a heartbreak. Of course, I don't tell them. That'd be unkind. But it's a heartbreak. See, it's, you cannot believe God any further than your knowledge of the Word of God. And these preachers have hidden the Word. Well, our denomination doesn't believe that. Who cares? I'm not going by a denomination. A denomination could hold a convention next week and authorize uh, sex with goats. I'm not going to go by a denomination. I'm going by the written word of God. I could care less what some denomination says. And it doesn't matter what they say because they'll change their mind in six months. You know, we pioneered this church and people said, you know, you shouldn't call it non-denominational. You should call it intra-denominational. And I said, why? And he said, well, it makes it sound like you're against denominations. I said, I am. <laughs> We're not to go by that. We're to go by the written word of God. Matthew 8, 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and he, he carried. Isaiah 53 says in the Hebrew, he carried away our diseases. 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed. And here's what we don't do. We don't follow instructions because Jesus talked about saying and, and Jesus talked about believing you receive. We'll quit there tonight. But so no matter how we proceed, if I lay hands on you or somebody else lays hands on you or I anoint you with oil or somebody else anoints you with oil or if we hold hands and we agree in faith based upon the word of God that you're healed, it doesn't matter what mechanism we use. At that moment in time, at that point of contact, you have got to believe you receive and then you have got to go from that point in time and from that place and you have got to believe you receive. And here's what people do. They don't, they don't practice the word of God they, and, and they, they don't implement the word of God. They don't put into effect the word of God and they wait until there's some catastrophic news. And then they want somebody to whip out a, a magic wand. Back at the hotel, there was this wonderful couple, wonderful couple. They helped us start. You know, they helped us in music and their house was going to be foreclosed. And man, I just, I was young. And I thought, man, I'm not going to let that happen. And by that time, we had bought the land up at I-30. And it was two miles from the house to the land. And I'd go to the land and I'd pray and then I'd walk back home and pray and then I decided, okay, so until this foreclosure date, I'm going to walk further and I'm going to walk over to their house and I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe God. I was young. And this went on, I think, if I remember, I had three weeks, maybe four. And I learned a great lesson. You know what great lesson I learned? You can't save somebody from foreclosure if they don't have a job. See, in other words, you can have all the faith you want, but somebody better be taking some action. 
Can you see that? But that's what Christians do. I, I, and he, because of the work he did, he could have got a job any day of the week. Pray for me, Pastor. Well, you know, I'll pray for you. But maybe you ought to get a job. Maybe you ought to stop eating junk food. Maybe you ought to stop drinking. Maybe you ought to stop cheating on your wife. Maybe you ought to stop smoking marijuana. Maybe you ought to stop voting for abortion. Maybe you ought to start tithing. You can you know it's the last service of the year. <laughs> See, in other words, I cannot take incorrect action and compensate by believing God. Does that make sense? That's like eating the second pie at Christmas and saying, calories get thee behind me. Because if you look in the mirror, they did. <laughs> Say it out loud. I cannot, I cannot take incorrect action, take incorrect action and, then and then compensate by believing God. It will not work. So we've taught it this way all these years. For faith to work, I've got to have all the forces of my life lined up and moving in the same direction. What I believe and what I do and what I confess. And that mantra will work in money. It'll work on the job. It'll work in your health. In other words, I got to get it all lined up and moving in the same direction. What I believe and what I do and what I say. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. God bless you. Happy New Year.